Welcome to Bully Banter, the Commercial Dispatch Weekly Mississippi State Athletics Podcast. I'm sports editor Theo DeRosa here with Alex Murphy and Colin Dams, here to talk some Bulldogs and the SEC as we get into November, get close to the Egg Bowl. MSU, of course, has a game before that, hosting East Tennessee State this week. Bulldogs are now six and four after the loss to Georgia, trying to maintain, you know, that strong season, try to build on last year with two games to go in the regular season. As we start winding down football, getting into basketball, and even uh, more as, you know, the winter kind of starts ramping up here. First, we have, you know, that game against Georgia, Mississippi State losing 45 to 19. Got to watch that one, of course, and uh, State just competed for a little bit, made it close for a short while, and Georgia just too good, ending up pulling away. Do you guys watch that game, and what were your thoughts on MSU? Yeah, we were both there at the game. Um, I think my main takeaway is Mississippi State had to get in the end zone those first two tries uh, when they got down in the red zone. Um, This is a game where they could reasonably expect their defense to help them out, so taking the points isn't the the worst option there uh, with those two field goals. But the confidence you get from putting the ball in the end zone against a team like Georgia, it, it, it goes a long way when you're trying to mount an upset. And, um, yeah, they just, they came out of the second half and it it just wasn't there for them. Um, we've, we've kind of seen this with Mississippi state before, uh, in, in big night games against number one teams or top five teams, they, they hold on for a little bit. They rely on their defense too much. And eventually that just folds. Uh, I remember one game specifically, it, it was 2015 Alabama. It was the year Derrick Henry went, won the Heisman, um, uh, Jake Coker wasn't playing that well. We were holding Alabama. I think they had only scored like a field goal at that point in early third quarter or late second quarter, something like that. And then Derrick Henry just busted a 80 yard run and it, it was gone from there. Uh, he just dominated the game. And that's what this game kind of felt like. It, it's like Georgia were a little unsure of themselves after the turnovers. There were some calls that went their way that, you know, made everyone in the stadium pretty mad and made, uh, Mike Leach upset. I'm assuming he won't say specifically what he was upset about, of course, because he doesn't want to be fined. But um, yeah, momentum just kept going Georgia's way, and in the end, they're too talented of a team to not win this one, and they won it, you know, pretty, pretty comfortably in the end. I would say. Yeah, I would like to see some booster pay thirty thousand dollars for Mike Leach to uh, comment openly about the officiating because I have a feeling that'd be pretty funny. But until then, he's gonna stay away from getting fined. Like you mentioned, there were definitely some calls that I could tell that definitely went Georgia's way. I think one or two that actually went from Mississippi State later on, but it wasn't great. I don't think it changed the outcome of the game, but it might have changed the margin a little bit. Yeah, I think it was a very, like like Colin was talking about, I completely agree with how the game started. I mean, Georgia did not look like the number one Georgia team, uh, at, at, at least through the first half that I think a lot of people saw uh, the week previous against Tennessee. Um, they, there were a lot of things that were being exposed or at least the, a lot of things that just weren't working for Georgia when it came to the offense. Uh, and State wasn't able to capitalize um, with those drives that ended up in field goals, which cost them. Now, the uh, the punt return at the end of the half, uh, there was like, I mean, you, you could just feel it that there was hope. There was tangible hope within the Mississippi State faithful that was there. Uh, that something could have happened, you know, whatever way it might have gone. I, I, I guess I understand the two point 
um, attempt thing after the touchdown, you know, to make it a three point game instead of a four point game. Honestly, I would have just gone with the extra point. Uh, it really didn't matter in the end that much, but I don't know. It was the, the second half, like whatever hope that was there, uh, you know, the, the saying it's the hope that kills you. That was a legitimate thing because like Georgia was like, yep, we're not going to allow this to happen. And then just went out guns a blazing. And it was, it just turned into a bloodbath by the end of the, um, the, the end of the game in that circumstance. Yeah. I think the two points about 30 seconds there from the time of the punt return touchdown, 30 seconds of game time, at least. And then Georgia scored in like two plays in about 35 seconds in the second half. So you're right. There was definitely hope, but it didn't last long. The two point conversion was another one of those moments where it, it was up to that point, Mississippi state just couldn't get in the end zone, no matter how many plays they started from inside the five yard line. And that was another one that, it, it kind of paused the game for a little bit as they decided what they were going to do. And then it kind of killed the momentum a little bit going into the halftime. I, I agree that I, I would have just taken the extra point at that point. Cause you know, it, it's not going to make too much of a difference. You still have a half of football to play against a really good team. Yeah. Personally, I guess I would have done what they did with the two point conversion just because being down three is such more significant compared to the difference between being down four or five. But ultimately, it doesn't matter because they lost by 26. So I guess when you factor that in, maybe it doesn't matter as much. Yeah. And and, I mean, what I'm saying, too, is totally different if they do make it, because then, you know, you see it happen. You see that your offense is capable of scoring. But uh, it it just felt like this was another case of Mississippi State's attack having trouble sustaining momentum throughout a game. Um, They weren't that good at creating it for themselves. And Georgia kind of learned throughout the game that they could bend and still not break against a team like this, that, uh, you know, they could just trust their defensive backs for the most part and then go after Will Rogers. Yeah. I didn't think Georgia was like this incredible unbeatable team. I mean, you obviously saw they're beatable, but they are really good across the board. And Mississippi state alluded to that. Mike Leach and Will Rogers both saying like talking about the strength of Georgia's defense and saying that was what made it difficult to score. But they've struggled to score for about a month now, and it's kind of been concerning for sure. I mean, even the Auburn game that they won, that was very inconsistent offensively, and it's definitely leading to concerns with the last couple games as far as, like, why has this offense not taken the step we thought with everybody pretty much back? Yeah. I'm interested to see how how it factors in on a bigger scale. So I guess the SEC championship game will be the first real test of that against, you know, a decent LSU team that has shown that they can move the ball through Jaden Daniels, but even against, you know, some of these potential top four matchups with either Tennessee again, you know, w- whether they have the ability to shut down Jalen Hyatt a second time and that offense or Ohio state that has assuming Jackson Smith and Najigba is going to be healthy again. And then Marvin Harrison jr. Yeah. It'd be fun to see Georgia yeah. Ohio state at some point. I mean, just that offense versus that defense, I think would be pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, and and I did want to say I think about Georgia like you were talking about Theo. They 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 look like a beatable team, but again I think that's smoke and mirrors to some extent because you know a team only looks beatable if you you know if the other team is playing a sort of game that would make it a situation where it could be beatable. And State did that for a little bit, and then and then everything just kind of fell apart. So yes, Georgia is a beatable team, but I think you know, a beatable team can kind of be, you know, as I was saying, like a mirage and to some extent, just because there's so many strong points that over, um, 
you know, that, that overdo the weak points that are, you know, so much more significant than the weak points that it ends up causing a situation where like you think that you can beat them, but in all reality, it's just not going to happen because, you know, if, if one thing goes wrong, they'll find three things that go right and then they'll figure it out. Hey, Missouri is still the closest team to beating Georgia this year. I'll take what I can get. This there. is true. I was able to watch with the state Georgia game being at night. Some of the other games that day, I got back kind of late. Watched some of the Ole Miss Alabama game. Honestly, I thought Ole Miss was going to take it at some point. I thought they might even score there in the final minute to win that game. What'd you guys see of that game? And do you think it's disheartening for a team like Ole Miss to come so close only to fall just short? Yeah, I mean, I think it, it's tough for anyone because, you know, even sitting there with two losses this season, Alabama is the team everyone wants to beat. And uh, Ole Miss loves beating Alabama and partying. So if they were able to do both of those things Saturday, it would have been a much better day for most people in Oxford, I'm guessing. This is true. Yeah, I, I think the one thing I want to say is um, I didn't realize how much state people hate Ole Miss until they said that <laughs> Bama beat them. And I was like, wait, but everyone hates Bama. And then I was like, nope, that's not the case. So that was a very shocking thing to me because I didn't, you know, I still thought that Bama was going to be the overarching thing and then it wasn't. So that nah, was that there, was a that was a big realization. <laughs> that's a big cowbell moment at Davis Wade whenever uh, yeah, that, Ole Miss loses in their other game. I just thought because it was against Bama, I was like, nah, it's going to be different because no one likes Bama and no one likes Saban. But clearly, uh, clearly I was dead wrong about that one. So if you go to the Egg Bowl in Oxford, you'll probably find out how much those two schools hate each other. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to, but I can I can certainly imagine that it's not going to be a um, uh, scene of friends. I've never been to one in Oxford, but after last year's, I mean, it was pretty raucous atmosphere for sure. And I'm kind of interested to see how that goes. All kind of year, I've projected Mississippi State to win, but I'm kind of starting to doubt that lately. And we'll see if I end up sticking with that prediction next week. But one thing's for certain, I can say Mississippi State is going to beat East Tennessee State with some pretty good confidence there. ETSU is 3-7. and seven. They're an FCS team. They're in the Southern Conference, and they're 1-7 and seven in league play. Just don't really see that upset coming, especially against the team that's struggled so much this season. Yeah, this is like a bye week game that a lot of SEC teams have started doing um, the last couple of years now. You you bring in someone you're you're pretty sure you can beat up on, and um, it, it's it's big for teams like Mississippi State who are thinking you know maybe we'll need that insurance for bowl eligibility at some point. So. Um, Luckily, they've got six games already. It's looking like they're going to finish seven and five, though. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I, I don't see that game being – and I, it'll, probably, it'll probably be a blow-up by halftime. Everyone will leave, and then that's about it. Can you learn a lot from a game like that? Because I really don't know what you can learn unless you make a lot of mistakes or you play a bunch of young guys and they do really well or do really poorly. Yeah, I that's guess the thing it. would be uh, Sawyer Robertson, see how – how equipped he is to run the offense, whether he's needed to, or whether he's going to be trying to compete for that job next year. Um, you would assume they'll throw the ball all over them in the first half, and then he'll get some good reps in the second half. Um, but yeah. Other than getting a look at your younger players, there's, there's not much to take away from the game like this. Agreed. When uh, we've got a bunch of other actually decent games, there's, you know, some SEC cupcake games on the schedule. But some good games in the SEC, the Big 12 and the Pac-12. We have two from each conference to pick, it looks like. Uh, actually, no, I think we have three Big 12 games this week, starting with uh, TCU at Baylor. 
TCU, of course, undefeated, number four in the college football playoff rankings. Taking some flack about their schedule from, I think, Stephen A. Smith and guys like that. Don't know how much to believe in that. I think they've been pretty good this year. And I think I'm going to pick them to win at Baylor this week. Stephen A. Smith should not be doing anything that's not basketball. He should not have any takes on college football. I'm sorry. Side note. (laughs) Yeah, I'm picking TCU. I think they're legit. Um, at least, you know, by Big 12 standards, they've they've already proven that they're legit. I am a big fan of the Hypnotoad, so I will ride the TCU bandwagon for now. In a game that hasn't always gone in the past how we thought, Kansas has actually beaten Texas a few times. Now Texas goes to Lawrence this week. Got to go with the Longhorns, even though they have like four losses. I still think they're a good team, and I think Kansas has fallen off a bit. Yeah, it's been rough going. They lost their quarterback for a little while. They got him back. Um, they beat Oklahoma State, was it, uh, when they came to town? So uh, they'll definitely be fired up for this one. It's been a great year for Kansas football. But, uh, yeah, I'm I'm thinking Texas take this one. I will, I will be the dissenting opinion here and pick Kansas. The other Big 12 game is – is this Bedlam, Oklahoma State at Oklahoma? Can never remember the yes. rivalry yes. names, but I think yes, that's Bedlam. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna go with OK State. They haven't super impressive, but Oklahoma's been pretty bad, so I think I gotta go with OK State. Yeah, I think even by our worst estimates of year one with Oklahoma under you know a new head coach, a new team basically after Lincoln Riley and their quarterback left. I, I did not expect we'd be going into the final two games with them still looking to become bowl eligible. Um, this is this is not really a, a project I'm very confident in. I'm picking the pokes on this. I will concur. Um, I do feel really bad for Dylan Gabriel because I don't know why. I just have like a weird soft spot for UCF. I, I, I think it's more of Mackenzie Milton than Dylan Gabriel, but um, I'm going to go with Oklahoma State. And in the SEC, and we'll talk to uh, Michael Cass from the Daily Journal in a minute for this, uh, Ole Miss goes to Fayetteville this week. Ole Miss at Arkansas. I think Ole Miss gets it done on the road. I just haven't been that impressed by Arkansas this year. Yeah, I'm interested uh, in Michael's opinion on this, obviously, because Ole Miss and Arkansas is usually a recipe for weirdness uh, to you know the highest standard of college football. Um most of their games in the past have been really entertaining or wild in some way. Um, I I think I'm going to pick Arkansas in this one um, just because weird, weird things happen. And I think that that's going to play to their favor. I, I like Ole Miss. Um, I really think that they should have beaten Bama last week. And uh, I, I, I think that is a big blow, but I also think that's going to be motivation for them to win this week, to go into the egg bowl looking good um, and looking strong. So I understand that this could be crazy just because of, you know, uh, I guess like the precedents that followed or that have um, come before this game. I, uh, but I think I'm going to pick Ole Miss uh, to see what happens come uh, the Egg Bowl next week. Go out west to the Rose Bowl, USC at UCLA. And again, Michael will also have opinions on probably, but we'll get to that. <laughs> yeah, I think the Trojans mm-hmm. win. Um, my prediction for a 12 and 0 year and then getting destroyed by Alabama in the playoff has not paid out uh, on on either end of that prediction. 
But um, I still think they've got a shot at winning the, the Pac-12 and, you know, potentially a win over, I guess, uh, can they can they get in the game unless Utah loses one? I think they they might have the tiebreaker, so I don't know. But, yeah, USC still looks like a pretty good team. Um, I'm taking them over UCLA. I'm more curious to see if they're going to actually sell out the Rose Bowl for this game. I highly doubt it. But, like, I mean, maybe. May, maybe a bunch of USC fans will come come to the game in Pasadena. Uh, but somehow UCLA has just been like they've way exceeded my expectations for reasons I have no clue how that they've done it. Uh, but I still think that yeah, USC is a much better team. Uh, and Caleb Williams has looked pretty good in his first year uh, in um, in 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 LA. So I'll pick USC for this one. I'm actually going with UCLA. I think I told Michael on Monday they would win, and I picked UCLA in a different pick'em. So I feel like I got to stick with that. So I can't play both sides here. But uh, going with UCLA, I know they just lost to Arizona, and that wasn't great. I think maybe they come back at home and rebound and see if they beat USC. But uh, last game of the week is another Pac-12 game with two ranked teams in Utah at Oregon. Utah's had Oregon's number in the past. I still think Oregon wins it this year, but that's going to be interesting to watch if I do get to watch it this week. Yeah, I want to know if Oregon rebounds. Um that was a kind of an ugly mark on their resume losing to Washington uh, last week. It was a close game. They uh, they gave themselves a chance late, but um, yeah, I, I think they win this one. It's in Eugene, right? It is. Yeah. I think Oregon wins this one. So I think I said, did I, didn't I pick Oregon last week? I probably should have picked UW. Um, we all picked Oregon last week. <laughs> Yeah, I did not. I, I, I apparently the faith that I didn't have in Michael Penix Jr. just backfired on me considerably. Uh, but yeah, I was surprised that that UW won that game and pulled it off. But again, crazy, crazier things have happened with that game before. Um, and I do really like Utah. I think that Utah is always like a very underrated team. They always have a lot of things going on and they always have like an outside chance of making the playoff. Unfortunately, they've never actually pulled it all together in one season and been able to do it. Um, I don't know. I want to see Utah win to see just what would happen. I understand it's probably going to be ne- next to impossible for Oregon to lose at home two straight weeks, but I'll pick uh, Utah for this one. Okay. And we're joined by, as I mentioned, Michael Katz from the Northeast Mississippi Daily Journal. Michael, thanks for waiting. And uh, first off, you want to defend USC's honor a little bit? Uh, not really. I, I just I, I I'm picking USC, but I don't feel good about it. Um, I just. I haven't felt good about this team all year, even though they've only lost one game and like they've got one of the best quarterbacks in the country, but I've been hurt before and I'm not going to be hurt again. So uh, I'm, I'm going to pick them to win, but I'm not expecting them to win. So if they do win, it'll be a nice little surprise for me. Speaking of the team that you actually cover, uh, how's the weather out in Fayetteville? What are you expecting from that trip? Uh, it's, it's going to be uh, closer to my Wyoming days in, in terms of weather uh, in the 20 ish uh mark uh, i know last week i laughed because there was snow on the field in fayetteville and i thought i would escape that and as it would happen uh, i i will not escape uh the frigid temperatures so uh it's gonna be cold it, it, it's interesting um you know with two teams that really like to run the ball uh, i think it's i don't know if it necessarily favors one or the other it's gonna be interesting i don't think almost plays in a ton of cold games i don't know how often arkansas does other than these you know, random frigid games, uh, but 
Uh, it, it, it's, uh, it, it's going to be long sleeves and hoodies and beanies, I think, for a lot of people. Are there things Ole Miss is trying to clean up before the Egg Bowl, or is it just not even worried about that and just focused on getting this ninth win in Arkansas? Yeah, I, I think it's it, it could be tempting with the quick turnaround to, to look ahead at the Egg Bowl and whatnot, but I think just with how last week went, uh, that that devastating way of of losing and uh, knowing that Arkansas is is a good team uh, and as as you guys mentioned, almost Arkansas is always just an absolutely insane game. Uh, you know, if it's not a fourth and twenty five or fourth and twenty six, whatever it was, uh, you know, it's last year's fifty two fifty one game that came to a two point conversion at the end of regulation. There's always just something weird with that game, uh, but I, I really do think that Ole Miss is is really. I think that they understand that, yeah, the SEC West is is not going to happen. That's officially gone. But, you know, if they were to win out, they'd have a pretty good shot in another New Year's Six game. And I think that means something. So, uh, you know, I, I I do think they're 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 pretty focused on this one. I think they understand that Arkansas is a team that um, the, the, their season's not gone the way that I think some people expected. But that's a, that's going to be a hungry team. You think Ole Miss might get it done, or you think Arkansas is going to win that one in uh, Fayetteville? I think Ole Miss is going to get it done, but I think it's going to be really close. Um, just sort of looking at the makeup of the teams, so much of this is going to depend on on where KJ Jefferson is at health wise. Uh, he didn't play last week for Arkansas. It sounds like he's he's probably going to play, but you know who knows what the shoulder injury means for him in terms of effectiveness and. Uh, you know, when he's good, Raheem Sanders is really good. They're star running back. Uh, I think everything just kind of feeds off of KJ Jefferson being healthy. So I think that's going to play a part. But, you know, Arkansas's pass defense is really, really bad. I think it's 121st, something like that. And let's, you know, let's not, you know, let's be honest, Ole Miss doesn't exactly, you know, blow the, the doors off of a pass defense. But, uh, you know, it, it, their, their pass defense has been, for the most part, pretty solid. Uh, I think this is going to be one of those games where Ole Miss is probably going to run the ball pretty well. Obviously, depends on if Zach Evans is able to play with his concussion. Quinchon Judkins, though, will be there, and he's a superstar. Uh, but this seems like the kind of game where Jackson Dart might be able to to do some things through the air and open things up just with you know how that pass defense has been. I think Ole Miss wins a close one, but uh, it's it's there are bound to be a, a few weird things to happening. That's that's for sure. Sounds good. Well, stay warm on your trip this weekend, and we'll check in with you before what must be a crazy egg bowl. Thanks, Michael. Thanks, guys. Before we wrap it up today, we'll uh, talk about some other sports beside football, because a lot's going on right now. We've got Mississippi State men's and women's basketball in full swing. The men's team plays Thursday night against South Dakota. Women's team just lost at South Dakota State. So South Dakota, a big factor in the early season schedule. Colin, uh, what'd you see in that game if or what'd you listen to in that game on Monday? And what do you think the women's team is uh how they're feeling right now? Yeah, so following along without watching, um and just kind of like following the stat sheet, because I did not have a Midco sports uh subscription or a Jack Rabbits premium package. Um it seemed like fouls were a really big factor in this one, uh, with both Jessica Carter and Alana Smith uh starting guard and uh, starting uh, power forward for Mississippi State. They were fouled out early in the fourth when the game was still really close. But uh, South Dakota State kind of got out to an early lead and never really looked back. Uh, they had a six-point advantage at the half. 
And over the fourth quarter, Mississippi State had some urgency trying to get back in it. Um, Purcell talked after the game about some of the adjustments he had to make in the rotation uh, with Carter and Smith both out. Uh, he had to play Romani Parker a little bit more at the four than he said he would have liked. Uh, she helped out a lot with rebounds over the course of the game, but um, in the end, they lost by one point. Um, I think they were down by four going into the final possession. They hit a three, but uh, they, you know, down by four, there's not much else you can do unless you can draw a foul there. So uh, it was a tough loss on the road against a team that was ranked uh, before this game. And then they lost to Creighton, I think, in their second game of the season, who are also ranked. So um, still a talented team. I don't know if they're ranked anymore because of that loss, and they were kind of on the fringes anyway. But uh, this is a team that they expected was going to be a tough test on the road, and he kind of embraced that after the game too, the 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 team environment and kind of learning from tough lessons on the road was was kind of the message that Sam Purcell had after this one, uh, which makes sense because, you know, when it comes time to play these SEC teams, uh, you're going to play a lot of really talented women's basketball teams, Tennessee and South Carolina, especially. So, um, yeah, I, I, I would say it could have gone worse for them, but definitely they would prefer to be sitting three and right now um, that this is one of their more notable non-conference opponents. Yeah. It's interesting. You mentioned that road test for the men's team. They've been on the road. They had that neutral site game against Akron and Philadelphia, and they won by about 20 points. They haven't had a true road game yet, and they won't until December 11th, I want to say, against Minnesota. They'll have a couple neutral site games next week with Marquette and then either Utah or Georgia Tech. It should kind of tell us a lot about them after some middling, you know, non-conference opponents here at home. Even Akron, you know, not that great a team. So I think that'll really be interesting to see because so far they've looked really good. They're 3-0. and I mean, they're playing tomorrow night against South Dakota. And it should, I mean, they should win that game before and 0 into that Florida tournament and everything coming up pretty well for men's basketball right now. The last thing we want to touch on is uh, soccer. I mean, they're playing in the NCAA tournament and uh, on Friday against Memphis, that game's in Fayetteville. Alex, uh, can you tell us what's going on and why that game is in Fayetteville, Arkansas? Yeah, so originally, well, I guess to go back on the game, uh, so State played New Mexico State uh, in the first round of the NCAA tournament. They won 2-1. There was a, a late goal scored uh, at the end of the first half, and then there was one scored at the end of the uh, second half. A um, really, really exciting game. Uh, you know, New Mexico State played them well, but State really dominated, you know, for much of the entire game. It was just in the second half they couldn't get the ball in the back of the net until literally, you know, a few minutes before the uh, final horn sounded. So when I tweeted it out or um, so from that, so state is the number seven seed in their quarter of the bracket, basically the women's soccer tournament, the way it works is there's 32 seeded teams, 32 unseeded teams, but you can think of it as the NCAA tournament for basketball where, so state's the seven seed. So even though New Mexico state was unseeded, you can think of them as the 10 seed um, if you want to do it like that. So they were playing the winner of St. Louis, who was the two seed and Memphis unseeded. Uh, St. Louis coming into the game was 20 and one. So I just, uh, you know, almost automatically assumed that St. Louis was going to win that game. Boy, was I wrong because Memphis won, uh, upset them, which was a massive upset. Uh, and in doing so, I thought that the way that the soccer tournament worked is that it was campus sites until, you know, the final four or something else like that. Uh, because it started out with campus sites, 32 campus site games. That wasn't the case. 
Um, so State will not be hosting in the next round. I originally thought it was because they weren't able to submit a bid for the round. So I didn't, you know, I was just confused by it. And then I looked online at the NCAA, how everything works. So it goes from 32 on-site games to essentially turning into what the NCAA regionals are for baseball, where there's eight regional site games uh, picked. And Arkansas for this one was the one that was picked. Um, Arkansas advanced into the round of 32, State advanced into the round of 32. So um, our Arkansas's game and State's game are going in a little pod, hence the reason why State is going to Fayetteville in order to play that game. Um, so originally I thought it was going to go 32 one-site games, 16, 8, you know, whatever it might be until the Final Four uh, or the College Cup, whatever they call it. But um, that is incorrect. So that's the reason why they're going to Fayetteville uh, and playing – in that little pod that now they're with, with Arkansas, but they will be playing Memphis in the second round on Friday. Memphis is unseated, um, obviously looked really good against St. Louis. So, you know, a very impressive win for them uh, in, in terms of keeping things close. I mean, you know, within that little pod there, you have um, Arkansas uh, state and Memphis. So all, you know, teams that are pretty close to each other in terms of proximity and mileage. Um, so that's pretty cool. But I do think that, uh, with all that being said, State was able to score multiple goals, which was good. I understand that the one goal came a little bit later. but um, And also, I think the biggest news of anything is they got starting keeper Maddie Anderson back in goal. Uh, I don't know how she was able to get ready in a month after what happened against South Carolina because it looked like a pretty bad injury. Clearly, I was wrong, hence the reason why she was playing uh, in that game on Friday. But she'll most likely be in net next Friday again. Uh, and, you know, depending on what happens, if they win, they'll play on Sunday in the round of 16, and I'll keep going from there. But I don't know. State looked good in the game. Uh, they controlled a lot of possession. They got a lot of shots on net. Uh, New Mexico State was a team that wasn't one who conceded a lot of goals. I understand they only conceded two in the game, but they put a lot of pressure on them, um, showed a lot of cracks, and they eventually, um, you know, got the winning goal in the end. So uh, I think Friday's game is definitely – Friday's match is definitely going to be interesting. Uh, the game is, I believe, at three or four. Um, I think it's 4 p.m. Central. So uh, anyone who is interested in watching, I hope the game is not on ESPN Plus if it's on um, like a national network. But yeah, de definitely a good showing. First NCAA tournament win for, for Mississippi State. So a big accomplishment there. And hopefully they'll be able to continue on um, uh, in the second round on Friday. Sounds good. Yeah, big weekend for state sports with, of course, football, basketball, and now soccer. So We'll check in next week ahead of the Egg Bowl. For Alex and Colin, I'm Theo signing off.